People have been engaging in ministry during the disruption over and over and over again throughout human history. We thought it would be great to bring you a story from someone who has lived through multiple different disruptions throughout their time in ministry. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody, this is Steve Tamayo. Welcome to Ministry During the Disruption. Our guest today is a regional director with InterVarsity in New York and New Jersey. He's moved to New York City full-time in 1997, worked as a professional actor for years. He is a friar in the Anglican Order of Preachers, and he is the husband of one wife, father of two children. Thanks for joining us, Jason Gabry. It's my pleasure to be here. So, as we were thinking about ministry during the disruption, you've actually lived through three different significant crises in the life of New York City. Yeah, I, I was here during 9-11 uh, and then was also here with young children during the uh, Hurricane Sandy and then here in New York City during the uh, financial crisis in 2008. And in each of those different crises, you engaged in ministry in some pretty interesting ways. You know, our ministry is with college students. Uh, and 9-11, what stood out to me was the campuses that were downtown and that were shut down for a number of weeks. And just the incredible disruption that that was, uh, the tragedy that it was, the suddenness of it, New York it got very quiet. Uh, but what stood out to me during that time was the incredible spiritual openness uh, that you saw as churches and ministers and different ministry organizations came together to try to provide relief and try to engage some of the questions that people were asking, try to minister to some of the fears that were going on. And we in InterVarsity were right smack in the middle of that uh, I remember gathering a group of students at a church not far from downtown Manhattan, and I remember us praying some of the psalms together and praying about the anxiety of our own fears and the the, the disruption and the the fear of of what could be next, which was very palpable. For for people who aren't familiar with the psalms, you know, maybe you think about the psalms and you think the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are those the psalms that you were praying, or were you praying maybe a different kind of psalm? Oh, yeah. We were praying uh, psalms like, the Lord is a very present help in time of trouble, people. We were praying psalms of comfort in those days because there was a lot of, there was a lot of fear uh, that students were experiencing having witnessed such a violent and sudden, uh, sudden attack on the World Trade Center. So, we were praying uh, psalms about God's protection and God's provision and God's presence in the midst of calamity. And that gave us then hope to look beyond our own sort of feelings and experience and look out to uh, how we could help, how we could lend a hand, how we could uh, participate and soothe those who are grieving and uh, engage a campus that was completely disoriented. Zoom in with me into that moment after the prayer meeting. So you've had the prayer meeting and you're you're walking home. What's going on internally for you on that walk home? It just all felt surreal. 
uh, so there was a there was a season of numbness. There was, it, it just felt like there's this incredible change that's happened, and none of us know none of us know what it's going to mean. New York City's just been attacked, and we didn't we didn't know what the response of our government was going to be. We didn't know if another attack was coming, and there was an, a, a quiet that lasted in New York City. It wasn't the, New York City wasn't shut down like it is now, but there was a quiet that was very, very palpable in the city for a number of days. Uh, so I wasn't walking home, I was riding the train, but there was a, as, as you'd ride the train home, there's just this kind of incredible stillness, uh, somber stillness of people who are, who are kind of in shock and processing it with the grief of what had happened there. A heaviness. Yeah, a heaviness, that's right. So... As people engaging in ministry, like if, if maybe a college student is listening to this and they're trying to lead a small group right now and moved it online, and maybe they're starting to feel that heaviness, the disruption has gone from being an inconvenience to a loss to maybe even something that they're feeling afraid of. What sort of spiritual practices could help someone who's feeling that heaviness right now? I think praying the Psalms is really important. Uh, it's a really key practice for us. And, and as you know, Steve, there are multiple kinds of Psalms. There's, there's great Psalms of orientation where you're just, you're praising God for his goodness and his power and his provision. And those are the, a lot of the praise choruses we sing. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs at, longs for you. You know, these kinds of uh, pastoral, the Lord is my shepherd kind of Psalms. And those are great, but there's also psalms uh, where the psalmist is clinging to God uh, for protection, for provision, for deliverance, for rescue. And uh, finding those kinds of psalms to pray in a moment like this are really, are really critical. Uh, praying a psalm, for example, uh, that says, you know, how long, O Lord? You know, will you have abandoned us? forever. How long is this going to go on? And you you pray these psalms, and praying the psalms is so meaningful because it it puts you in touch with this tradition where people bring their the full range of their human emotion to God. Well, and I want to talk to you about that, because I read an article that you wrote where actually we asked your permission to republish it on the intervarsity.org online page, and you listed five spiritual practices that you have picked up through living through these crises moments in the life of New York City. And New York is in the midst of a crisis right now. And one of those that just jumped right to the top of my vision was something you called Pray Your Rage. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone else say that before, and it struck a chord with me. Could you explain a little bit more about what you meant by that? Sure. The Psalms give us such a great invitation to pray all of our emotions. And sometimes particularly in the evangelical tradition, but in a number of Christian traditions, we associate our spirituality with the nice feelings, the warm feelings, the friendly feelings. So if it's not nice, we don't think it's Christian spirituality. But read the psalm. Psalm um, 3-7 has this incredible line, Lord, break the teeth of the wicked. That, that's not a nice thing to say. The psalmist is praying there anger at the situation that they're in, and they're raging at the fact that they feel overwhelmed, 
uh, by enemies, by people who seem to be prospering. And, and the Psalms calling on God, God, would you, would you break their teeth? Um, and would you, would you come and do something? And so the, so the idea of praying your rage, rage is inevitable in moments of disruption. Uh, rage just happens when we're, when we're suddenly faced with lockdown, when we're suddenly faced with our loved ones being vulnerable to an illness. We don't know uh, if they can get the treatment we want. There's a certain part of us that, that is, is outraged at that. We're angry. We're outraged. And if we don't learn to pray our rage, we'll direct our rage somewhere else. We'll direct our rage at, at the people we love. We'll direct our rage at the people we, we want to blame. We'll direct our rage sometimes internally at ourselves. And so what I've learned over the years, Steve, is the safest place for me to take my outrage is to God. And in this moment, that is one of the things people need to hear this. And I feel like you have the credentials to tell us this. Like you've lived through crisis after crisis after crisis. You're in the midst of one right now, and you've been able to do this to pray your rage, and it has deepened your relationship with God. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. After I started learning to pray the Psalms and to pray my anger, I learned that I, I learned what it meant when Paul says, be angry and do not sin. The only way I can be angry and not sin is to tell God just how angry I am and to, to turn that into prayer. And then ultimately release that, that anger to the Lord. And then you are then able to receive from God, compassion, grace, forgiveness in the place of anger. But a lot of times people feel like, I can't pray, I'm too angry. And, and I want to say, no, 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 anger is a great place to go to prayer. That's when you should pray. When, when you feel angry, it's a signal to go to prayer. Exactly. Yeah. I wish, you know, if I could hop in a time machine and go back and spend some time with Steve Tamayo in Durham, North Carolina, right at September 11th and sit down with him and say, hey, you're feeling rage right now. Your fear is transforming into rage. Take it to God. I wish that I'd had someone like you to give me permission to do that and guidance to do that. Jason, thanks so much for offering that to our InterVarsity staff, to faculty who are listening to this, to students. Friends, if you're listening to this and Jason's comments about these spiritual practices. He actually has five spiritual practices that he's mapped out in a short article we're sharing on the intervarsity.org website. Go to the site, check it out. We would love for you to get it and to share it. Jason has a very powerful and insightful voice. And I'm so glad, Jason, that people get to hear from you. Now, is there anywhere else that people can hear from you? Anything coming up on the horizon? Maybe, I don't know, sometime April 21st? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I have a book coming out with InterVarsity Press called Wait With Me, Meeting God in Loneliness. And uh, it's a book that's super relevant for this time of social distancing and social isolation uh, it's a book that began in a relationship with a uh, spiritual director, somebody who was helping disciple me, and who challenged me in a moment where I felt incredibly lonely and, and isolated and uh, distraught, and taught me how to, uh, instead of trying to run away from that, 
to press into that, to lean into that, and to discover a deeper life and friendship with God. So I think not only is it a, a meaningful message for all time, because loneliness is one of those universal human experiences, but particularly at this time, it's very uh, meaningful. Yes. So, hey, check out the book. We're going to put a link to it in the show notes. You can pre-order it. You can actually get a sample chapter from InterVarsity Press's website if you want to start reading it before it's released. And subscribe to the podcast so you can catch other stories of ministry during the disruption. Uh, Jason, before we go, one of the things that we've been encouraged to do is to pray for our guests. You live in New York City. You minister in New York City. Your wife, your children are in New York City. Your team is in New York City. Could you maybe give us one prayer request that we could pray for New York? You know, Steve, uh, it may sound trite to say this, but my experience of New York is, in this particular crisis, it feels different than every every other crisis I've experienced in New York, and that is that it, it's it's a crisis that's happening in slow motion. And, you know, two weeks ago, you didn't know anybody who was sick. And there was, it was just this chatter about this virus. And then a, a week ago, you knew friends of friends who were sick. And now it's the people you know and love who are sick. And you see the lines at the hospitals. You see the, the medical professionals begging for more resources. You see people doing incredible things, you know, trying to serve in this crisis. But all of the nurses, doctors, and medical professionals I'm talking to are exhausted and um, carrying a lot of emotional weight and anxiety. And all of the people who I know who know people who are sick are carrying that weight as well. And so uh, I think the thing that we can all pray for New York City right now is for an end to this plague, an end to this pandemic, and for God's grace in the midst of an unrelenting, ever-encircling sense of, of vulnerability. And everybody I know is experiencing that right now. Okay. Yeah. Let me pray right now. Jesus, you have borne our sufferings. You joined with us in our common humanity, and we ask that right now you would shoulder this burden with the people of New York, uh, with the people of the United States, with the people of the world. Would you lift this burden off of our shoulders? Would you cause this plague to end quickly? Jesus, we call out to you. We use these words from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord? How long will you hide your face from us? How long must we wrestle with our thoughts and day after day have sorrow in our hearts? How long will this plague triumph over us? Look on us and answer, Lord our God. Give light to our eyes, or we may sleep in death. And this plague will say, I have overcome them. This plague may rejoice when we fall. But we trust in your unfailing love. Our hearts rejoice in your salvation. We will sing your praise, Lord you have been good to us. Jesus, help our friends. Amen. Amen.